Welcome to RLC Radio. This is Alex Snicker. In this episode, we talk with Eric Brakey of Maine about his time in the Liberty Movement, a discussion about Maine politics, his time in the State House, and any possible future plans that Eric might have. Eric, thank you very much for coming on RLC Radio. We really appreciate it. Hey, Alex. Glad to be on. Thank you for having me. Now, and what I try to do with these interviews, and just to kind of start off with, just so everybody gets an idea, what got you involved in politics to begin with? Well, there was a country doctor from Texas named Ron Paul, who uh, in 2010, 2011, I started, uh, you know, I read his book, The Revolution. I started learning more about his message. He was getting ready to run for president for the second time. And I just, I, I, uh, you know, I took the red pill and I, I jumped in. I uh, joined, I got very involved with the grassroots liberty movement while I was living in New York City uh, in 2010, 2011. Uh, ended up uh, taking a job with the Ron Paul campaign, uh, moved up to Maine where my family goes back for 10 generations and uh, was just on the ground there. I, I was a field staffer, then the state director. And um, yeah, that's how I got involved in, in all of this. And I've been going ever since. Now, when you were doing the state director up in Maine, one of the things that you were actually able to accomplish was that you had a majority of the delegates for Ron Paul in Maine. Isn't that, isn't that correct? Yeah, we had a pretty big win at the, at the 2012 Maine Republican convention. We, we had a majority of the delegates. We, we really encouraged grassroots Liberty uh, supporters to become delegates to the state convention at the caucuses. And we had a majority there, which the, well, the party establishment and the Mitt Romney campaign were pretty devastated to find out. We elected our own uh, uh, committee. We elected our own convention chair. We elected majority of the delegates. We actually took over the main Republican party. We elected Ron Paul supporters to uh, the Republican state committee, to the national committee. Of course, by the time we got to the national convention in Tampa, the uh, Mitt Romney campaign and the RNC wasn't very happy about this. So uh, there was a big fight over the delegates and the rules and ended up leading to a lot of fireworks there at the convention. Yeah, I think something to do with a bus being driven around with the delegates so they couldn't get seated or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that happened to Morton Blackwell of Virginia, who was on the rules committee. Uh, for us, though, they... Um, uh, they tried to just throw out all of our Ron Paul delegates that were duly elected and replace us with handpicked Mitt Romney supporters that no one ever voted to elect. Uh, so essentially you had people on the RNC from other states deciding who was going to represent Maine, not the Maine people, not Maine Republicans. Uh, but um, yeah, when our when our governor threatened to, uh, Governor Paula Page, he threatened to boycott the convention if they did that they thought they could split the baby and maybe they just disqualified half of us <laughs> uh <laughs> our governor still boycotted and, and never came to the convention which i give a lot of credit to him for that uh, and i was one of the elected national delegates actually that was uh, was kicked out but it led to a whole kind of riot on the floor of the convention uh, main, uh, the main delegation walking out, the duly elected delegation walking out, and along with delegates, Ron Paul supporters, Liberty supporters from many, many state delegations uh, uh, leaving the convention, um, uh, chanting, uh, as Maine goes, so goes the nation. Yeah, no, no, and it was, it was, a, it was a great, I remember that, and it was very, uh, 
I mean, it was a very frustrating occasion, but at the same time, it was it was it was good to see you know at least the the, the fighting back for people that are you know fighting for liberty um, taking place. Now, after that 2012 campaign, though, you actually ended up running for state senate yourself and actually getting elected. Um, can you kind of let us know like what was the workup to actually get elected to the state senate from you know from that time in 2012 until you actually got elected in 14? Yeah, uh, I to be totally blunt, I wasn't supposed to win that race. Um, I, I ran for state Senate two years later. I ran in a, a Democrat leaning district where the incumbent, uh, Senator had been in elected office consecutively for 36 years, longer than I'd been alive. I was the age of 26 when I, when I, when I was elected and I just went out there and I knocked on 8,000 doors. I connected directly with voters with the help of the Liberty movement. We broke state fundraising records and, um, ended up winning that race where, I went into it. Nobody knew who I was, and I was uh, to call myself an underdog would be an understatement. Um, I ended up winning by 18 points. It was one. It was a big landslide. It was one of the biggest shocks of that election cycle in 2014. And when I got to the the main Senate, I, you know, surprise, surprise, I did what I said I was going to do. I I fought for liberty and freedom. I sponsored and passed constitutional carry uh, so that we can all in Maine. Law-abiding citizens can can uh, carry a, a, a firearm without the need for a permission slip from the government. I passed right to try, so terminally ill patients don't need uh, to wait for the FDA to approve something that might save their life if they want to try it. I expanded medical cannabis so that um, patients have more access and government isn't standing in the way, um, uh, along with a host of other reforms that I'm very, very proud of during my time there. Uh, one re-election uh, uh, by a a, a bigger margin the second time and um, really, really did the best I could to carry this, the standard, carry the torch of liberty in, uh, in our state capital for, for two terms, four years. Now, now, beginning a lot of things past, I would imagine that you took an approach in the state house of trying to find ways to work together with the others in the state house to get the legislation passed. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you develop the relationships with the, with people that you may not have a total ideological agreement with, but that you can find ways to work together inside the you know the, the representative republic kind of legislative process that we have in this country. Yeah, I find that when you stand on principle, when you know what your principles are and you stand by them, disagreements are less likely to become personal. So, I mean, truth be told, in the main Senate, I was the person most likely to be standing by myself voting no on things, whether it had been corporate welfare or infringements on our personal right to make our own personal choices in our own lives. If there was one person voting no, chances are it was me. But at the same time, um, because I never made my disagreements with people personal, we just had different ideas on what the role of government should be. That never that never burned any bridges to be able to work with people on areas of common ground. So, you know, believe it or not, when I passed constitutional carry, right to try medical cannabis, we were in divided government. Republicans had the Senate, Democrats had the House. Most big items of legislation were failing in one body or the other because people simply couldn't work together. Um, and I always take the philosophy of I'll work with anyone to do right and nobody to do wrong. So the first thing, when I, so let's take constitutional carry, for example. First thing I did was I went to a, a Democrat state legislator in the House who had, a good, who had a good rating with the NRA. I figured, all right, that's a good place to start. I need bipartisan support if we're going to get this passed. And I got him to be my lead House co-sponsor, and he worked people in his caucus, especially 
Democrats from rural areas in Maine where what, whatever their personal feelings might be, their constituents certainly support the Second Amendment. Uh, and then it wasn't just the inside game. It was the outside game, too. It was getting thousands and thousands of grassroots Maine people involved in the fight in the legislature, calling their legislators, emailing them, showing up putting pressure on them, letting them know what they expect them to do, that they expect them to stand up for our constitutional rights. And if they don't do that, that they're going to be out of office come next next election cycle. And I'll tell you, uh, that speaks volumes. People often don't appreciate just how much power they have over their own legislators because our Constitution gives the people the ability, the power to fire them. And we have to be willing to exercise that to get our freedoms back. Now, I had one question for you when it comes to uh, the grassroots approach to this. Um, there is one school of thought that you want everybody calling all of the representatives, and then there's another school of thought that you want to have the individuals talk to their individual representatives, a much more targeted approach. So for the grassroots, it's kind of less calls, but those calls are much more effective because they're going to that legislator vice, you know, the kind of like the, the overwhelming force that's an advantage of being able to like contact everybody all the time. Which approach, as a, as a as a former legislator, what approach did you feel had the better, uh, the more bang for the buck? I think it is always more effective when you are contacting your own representatives, your own senators, the people that you have the power to fire. Um, I know. Uh, I remember. I remember when we were working on constitutional carry. There was a Democrat state senator who. Um, you know, as we were getting ready to pass this, the anti-gun Michael Bloomberg folks were putting a bunch of money into our state trying to defeat it. And I remember one state senator who's a Democrat who's pretty pro-gun uh, and had come on board, but he was being targeted by the anti-gun folks. And he was getting calls from people in Portland, Maine, who were outside of his district. And I remember him telling me, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that doesn't make any difference for me. What makes a difference is people hearing from their constituents. Now, if something is going through a committee, that committee is supposed to kind of represent the interests of the whole state. I think it's valuable for, for all people to contact committee members that are working on an issue. But it is always most powerful when legislators hear directly from their own constituents. I got you. Okay. No, no. And then I uh, thank you for making that, deter that that differential, by the way, that's a very important differential is that when it's, when they're working through the committee process, you do have to make sure you're contacting those individual representatives because they are at that point kind of working for everybody, not just for one, uh, one constituency. Um, now, so you, you, you spent a couple terms up there and then you decided at a certain point that you were going to actually run for the U S Senate in 2018. Um, can you describe that race for us? Yeah. Um, I wasn't termed out. I, I could have stayed in the state Senate. Um, but for me, every step along the way, since I first got involved with this, you know, I really try to have, I try to have a servant's heart. And the question for me always is what is the role? What is the opportunity that, that I can take to best serve the cause of liberty at this moment in time. And the, our incumbent U.S. Senator, Angus King, was coming up for re-election. I looked at his record. I thought that he was just, he was just kind of the worst in the worst. You know, he calls himself a moderate and independent, but, but frankly, you know, like so many in Washington, D.C., for some reason, people who are supposedly moderate and independent are the people who— you know, Democrats want big government at home. Republicans want big government abroad. And he was someone who just wanted a big government everywhere. He supports the you know, the warfare state and the welfare state. And I just thought that he needed to be challenged. He needed to be challenged by the message of liberty. And I thought I, I, I frankly, I thought that we had a real path to victory. 
Um, we went in that. We we uh, we got huge grassroots involvement in our campaign. And you know what happened? Uh, the big blue wave hit Maine, kind of the anti-Trump wave. Republicans lost across the state. But at the same time, uh, our campaign for U.S. Senate performed better against him, won more votes and, and a higher percentage against him than anyone else who has ever run against him in his many statewide uh, elections. And I think that that says something about the power of the message of liberty, especially in a state like Maine, where, frankly, a lot of people just just we just want government to leave us the hell alone. Um, so I ran for so I ran for U.S. Senate. Um, since then, I've been very involved in the uh, in the legislature, organizing grassroots to defeat red flag gun confiscation, defeat the national popular vote and, and all kinds of anti-gun bills. And I will say I am getting ready on September 17th to make an announcement about, well, the one of the one of the things that happened last year in the blue wave was the Republican half of the state. We have two congressional districts in Maine. There's the southern Maine, uh, the first district where the socialists live in Portland. And then there's northern Maine, uh, the second district, which is very rural. That's where the bears live or the moose live. That's where that's where the people live who want government to leave us alone. Uh, we still have kind of very frontier attitude up in up in the up in northern Maine. And uh, that w had been for four years the only Republican congressional district in all of New England. Um, but uh, in the blue wave, a Democrat uh, beat the Republican incumbent by a very, very narrow margin. And, um, well, I'm looking at that, and I think that's going to be a big opportunity. Trump carried this district by 10 points, just to put it in perspective. And he'll be on the ballot again. This is going to be a, a huge battleground uh, one of the ground zeros for the Trump campaign. It's going to be huge re Republican turnout efforts coming into the second district in Maine, specifically because in Maine, Maine we're unique. We split our electoral votes. So I'm, I'm, I've already filed papers uh, to run for the second congressional district for Congress uh, in Maine, and we're going to be officially making an announcement about that on the 17th. But I will say, you know. <laughs> It, what really made a difference for me was I had Congressman Thomas Massey reach out to me. He's a personal hero of mine, someone who I would very much look forward to working with uh, if, well, when I'm elected to Congress, if we pull the trigger and do this. But we're going to be announcing on September 17th, Constitution Day. And I'll tell you, the way that everyone can help is we are actively fundraising. we got to make sure that we can have the resources to, to win this. This would be the biggest victory for the Republican Liberty Movement since Thomas Massey got elected in 2012. I'm the front runner for the race. We've, we've got a pretty clear primary field. And because of the U.S. Senate campaign, I am incredibly well positioned to, to, to run, to win the nomination, and to win the general. And if people would like to help elect another Liberty Republican, because let's be honest, Justin Amash and Thomas Massey look pretty lonely there in Congress. Um, this is a big opportunity, and people can go to ericbrakey.com and chip in. Well, if for those who can afford it, I mean, even $500 would be awesome, but I know that's a lot of money for a lot of people. So even $100, $25, whatever works for you and your budget, you know, the liberty movement, we are a powerful force to be reckoned with if we stand and fight together, and we can win another seat in Congress uh, and have a voice for liberty to combat, you know, AOC and socialism right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, in the in the primary that you are going to have, do you have? Is there many people that are also running in the primary? Or are you all are you all by yourself, or will you as, be all by yourself? As of right now, I am the only person who has been publicly talking about running. Um, and frankly, we've been locking up the primary field pretty pretty well. 
Uh, we've already, uh, even before launching, I already, we, we announced 31 endorsements from state Republican legislators. We um, have raised over, we announced recently, we, in just our first few weeks since filing an exploratory committee, we raised over $100,000. And I think that that has had a, a very big effect on maybe other people looking at this and thinking, well, maybe Eric's going to be the guy. <laughs> I think um, because of the work we did with the, the in 2012 and everything I've done since then, uh, working, you know, working on causes that are important to the Republican base in our state from welfare reform to second amendment rights. Um, and, and just having a, a track record of winning. I think the Republican party, a lot of people, whether they're more establishment or more, or more grassroots look at me and my candidacy as an opportunity to win, to make sure that the Republican party in our state has a future and, and I want that future to be one of liberty, not one of the typical neoconservative uh, big government uh, republicanism that we had in the past. We, this is a real opportunity to shape the future of our party, both in Maine and across the country, and to make sure that liberty is the standard we're carrying into the future. That's, that's really great to hear. And I, I did see a lot of those endorsements out there. And I think that really what it comes down to is a testament to the, to the time that you spent in the state house and talking with those people and working with those people is that, you know, considering that they were all that willing to, you know, endorse you that quickly in the race also is a kind of a, a testament to how you were, how you were perceived up in the state house. Do you think that you have changed a lot of minds, maybe not on everything, but like on some issues, on the people that you were working with up there um, as another, you know, like a colleague of theirs as a senator or as a state senator, do you think that you were able to move the needle on them personally on some of these on some of these issues? You know, that's hard. That's really hard to measure. Um, I think that certain times people's minds have been changed on issues. Though I would credit that a lot less to me and a lot more to their constituents <laughs> calling and, and, and emailing and, and setting their expectations. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, every every politician and I'll admit even 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 myself in the back of every politician's mind is their reelection. Um, now, for me, I've always wanted to, you know, I've always believed at the end of the day, what's most important to me is that I stand for liberty and for my principles and go home with my head held high, even if that means losing reelection. But every politician is thinking of it. And so um, if you want to change a politician's mind, convince them that the reelection is at stake. Yeah, no, that's a very that's a very good point. No, it really is a very good point. It's just really good to hear um, the success stories that you have up in Maine. It's it's you know, in talking to a lot of different people across the country, um, there's a lot of similarities in in the, everybody's path and what they're doing in elected office. But there also is a lot of unique features that there are lessons to be taken away from um, you know from from any. Uh, any different state that is any people in any state that's kind of working on these issues. What do you think on your end is the biggest takeaway that you've gotten um, in the Liberty movement and your time involved in politics for people to really be successful in, you know, in restoring our constitutional Republic? Well, I think that we certainly, we have to take a long view. Our, our, we didn't lose our freedoms overnight and we're not going to regain them back overnight. I, I know one of the things, you know, in 2012, there was so much excitement, so much enthusiasm. People were pumped up because of the because of Ron Paul's candidacy. And after it didn't work out the way that we hoped, a lot of people kind of dropped, dropped out. Um, 
But at the same time, I see so many young people through Young Americans for Liberty and groups like that still coming into the movement. I think that our movement has a very bright future, but we have to play the long game. We have to be in this for the long haul. And that's what I've been doing. It's been, geez, like, I guess eight years now I've been doing this. And I've made a, personally made a lot of progress working through the Republican Party, getting elected to the state Senate, championing causes of liberty, and actually getting significant policy reforms done that benefit our freedoms. Um, but, but I think that there are sometimes people get discouraged when things don't change overnight. And, um, and I think, you know, I mean, here's the truth, the truth of it. One thing that's very encouraging to me, I see young Americans for Liberty, you know, they're getting people elected to state legislatures across the country. They're planting seeds. If I had not run for state Senate and won in 2014, if I had just gone straight for federal office, I, w- I would have had no chance. Uh, because I planted the seeds, I, I, you know, and and we played the long game. Now I'm in a position where we can win this seat for Congress in Maine in 2020, and we will win this seat for Congress in 2020. Um, and Young Americans for Liberty is planting seeds across the country, and it's and it's amazing to see. I think that this Trump era that we're in, and personally. I think from a liberty perspective, we can look at President Trump as the glass being half full or half empty. Personally, I see the glass as half full. I think that there's a lot of good policies that, that from a liberty perspective that I, that I uh, appreciate. Some things I disagree with, too. But the Trump era isn't going to last forever. Once that is over, we're going to be back in a position as a party asking, what is the Republican Party? What do we believe in? What do we stand for? And the more that we plant the seeds right now, the more we get people elected to Congress, elected to state legislature across the country who believe in liberty, the better position we are going to be when we're in the new era of the Republican Party to, to plant the, the flag for the cause of liberty firmly and say, this is what our Republican Party is about. That's been my, my, my long game for the long time is to take this, this vehicle, this Republican Party, and make it an instrument for the cause of liberty. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Well, Eric, on that note, thank you very much. I really do appreciate the. I completely agree with you, by the way. Um, but I, I, but I really appreciate the time that you were able to spend. Um, and if they, if you want to go to their, his website, it's ericbrakey.com. That's E R I C B R A K E Y dot com. Um, and I know that the RLC is an organization endorsed you in your in your Senate run, and I'd imagine we're probably going to do the same thing here, even though I have no vote in that whatsoever. Just so for the record. But um, uh, but really, Eric, thank you very much. I really do appreciate you spending some time with us today thank you so much and anyone who wants to chip in and help us win a a congressional seat for liberty this is going to be the biggest opportunity the liberty movement has to win a seat in congress in 2020 and i need your support at ericbrakey.com thank you so much have a great day